This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. You know, I said this when uh, Aaron Rodgers went on his darkness retreat. I said, you know you got too much money. When, like, you know you're rich when you start doing things that only poor people would do. So, like, Myron Metcalf, Matt Jones here on Joe and Amber. Like, being cold is not something I would want to do. So, Joe Forbaugh's got so much money, he is intentionally getting cold water put on him. Like, that's what you yeah. do when you've gotten rich. You're like, I'm going to turn all my electricity off, and I'm going to sit in darkness for 24 hours. That's what I see here when I hear cold plunge. I've had cold water. That wasn't a fun experience. I don't know why you pay for cold water. Yeah, yeah. Joe Formbar is doing that second contract stuff, right? Like he's doing that stuff that you do when you get a little more secure here at ESPN, and now you're just kind of looking for a thrill, you know. So I, that's, exactly that's what right. he's doing. Yeah, he's like, I wonder what it would be like to not have a haircut for a year. Yeah. Well, you know, some of us want a haircut. That's Joe Fortball with that Vegas life. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Matt Jones, Myron Metcalf. We normally are the host of Sunday Morning with Matt Myron the correctly named Sunday morning from 10 to 1, but now here for uh, uh, Joe and Amber. And, you know, it's it's almost NFL time. People are reporting to camp. I miss the days, Myron, when they actually went to a camp. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they'd go to some small college. The Bengals used to go to Georgetown College here in Kentucky, and it'd be like, you know, they'd all sleep in dorms. And it feels like they've kind of all got away from that, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I went to school in Minnesota State, Mankato, where the Minnesota Vikings used to have their training camp before they moved to the city. And, and that was cool, man. Guys kind of roughed it. Stayed in the dorms. Yeah. You know, had to bring in their own AC. Yeah. You know, it was like a real training camp experience. Now, now it's pretty. Now everything's, yeah. you know, top tier, and it doesn't feel like a real training camp anymore. These kids today with their, you know. These kids today. With their football. You know, what happened and to the TikToks real guys? And- That's right. They, they do their TikToks, and they do their threads. Their X. Yeah. I'm a Twitter. I'm not an X person. That's what the way they. Yeah, I'll, I'll never call it is. that. You're never going to call it X. No. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> Good. You I never will. It is uh, all right. So, Myron, I wanted to ask you. So today, there we got news that Zach Martin, who's of course the Cowboys' offensive guard, he was not on the team plane to Southern California today for the early workouts, and it's not official that he's holding out, but a lot of people think that's going to be the case. Chris Jones, the Chiefs' defensive tackle, he did not report to camp today, and Saquon Barkley, the Giants' running back, is supposed to report to camp tomorrow, but we don't know that he will do that. And all three of those guys are wanting more money. They're all three elite at their position, and there's a chance that all three end up holding out. You, you know, everybody knows Saquon Barkley. Most people know Chris Jones, and the NFL diehards know Zach Martin. But what do you think about three elite players on three marquee franchises potentially holding out, and which one do you think matters the most? I mean, we go through this every year, right, where players sort of just before a training camp uh, who think they're in a position to get paid more, they make that demand, and their leverage is, I won't come to training camp, you know, which makes the team start thinking, well, maybe they won't play. I just don't know how we do this every year. Saquon Barkley, I get. Because that's a situation where the Giants have decided they're just not going to pay him long-term money, right? They're not going to give him what he's asking for. It appears that way. Chris Jones asked for a lot of money, but he's very important. I think he's the best defensive player in the league. So I think that's a real strong case there, even though he's asking for $30 million. 
And I think Zach Martin is arguably the most important player to that offense, not named Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak Prescott is your investment. The guy who's done the best job at protecting him is Zach Martin. So you would think, Matt, sometimes you'd solve these things before you reach a point where there has to be a potential holdout. I am always, always, always pro player. But on this, I actually understand the team's standpoint. Because the problem for these guys, for problem for these guys and for these teams is that they play on teams where the teams have decided to pay the quarterback a lot of money. And in the current NFL salary structure where quarterbacks make more of a percentage of the team's cap now than they ever did. I mean, that, that number used to be like 20, 22%. It's now for a lot of teams getting to 35%. What ends up happening is you have to make a decision. I heard Mike Tannenbaum say once, you can pay three, maybe two and a half guys a lot. And once the quarterback's one of them, what are you going to do? So go to Zach Martin. Okay, they've already paid Dak. That's done. You're going to pay and have paid Micah Parsons. So what else are you going to do? I mean, if you do, if you pay Zach Martin the amount of money he wants, now you're done. Now you can't do that for anybody else. And I just think teams are very hesitant, especially teams with young players that are good, to go, all right, I'm going to invest in this offensive guard for the next seven years, and I won't be able to get the next star and give him what he's worth. I think sort of, you know, big picture, that makes sense, right? There are a lot of guys in this league who are replaceable. That's the disadvantage of the NFL. Most Everyone's replaceable. Most the players are replaceable. Side of quarterback. But I think there are a few skill positions where you go, okay, you could put someone in that spot, but they wouldn't be this guy. You can't get another Zach Martin. Six-time All-Pro first team. Eight-time Pro Bowler. A Hall of Famer today. If Zach Martin retires tonight, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So you're talking about a guy who's there to protect your investment in Dak Prescott, where Dak Prescott has reached a stage where you're like, okay, you don't want him scrambling unnecessarily. The injuries we've seen, he's getting older. You want him to be safe out there. And Zach Martin is a big time component in that. But you can't get somebody as good as Zach Martin. But can you get somebody who's 80% of it? I mean, the problem for these guys is that I think the answer is yes. I think you can get an 80% Zach Martin. I think you can get an 80% Saquon Barkley. I actually think defensive tackles are harder to get in some ways, like really dominant ones. But if it's not a – this is going to sound crazy, but I'm almost to the point in looking at how these salary caps have developed that if you're not a quarterback, I would replace almost everybody because I think you, I think no. the my rule of the 80% version of this player is out there is, in my opinion, true for virtually every position. I don't think that's genuine coming from you. Let me tell you why. You, you watch your boy Will Levis yes. play behind a good offensive line, and then you watch him play by that 70% offensive line of what he had before. But college that is dramatically different. Changed. I, but I think it, college it is. is different. I think the difference between a great offensive lineman in college and a bad one is much more dramatic than it is in the pros. That's fair. But you saw the difference from yes, a downgrade a at that position. So you understand the significance of that. I think if you're Jerry Jones, you're going, I need that Prescott to be my quarterback and to lead us to a Super Bowl. He's the key. Everybody agrees with that. You're right. Michael Parsons is about to get a lot of money. He deserves every dime. But after that, you have to be looking at Zach Martin, who right now at his position, Matt, is I think the ninth highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL and say, we want that dude to be happy. I don't know if it's always about 
giving a guy a big dollar amount because sometimes these guys ask for so much money and no, they know they're what not going to care get. about. That's what I think what they care about is the comparison with other players in the league because everybody's so competitive. You know, when I, I it's the same thing happens like in radio, like Meyer Metcalf walks in the ESPN offices and he's like, <laughs> I do not believe Carlin deserves more money than me. That's what he does. I've never done that. He deserves everything. He walks around and he sits there and he goes, you know, Greeny, I'm Myron. That's what's got it. So, like, I get it. You understand there's that competitive nature, and I think that's what happens at these positions. Listen, I think part of this, too, is you got to understand that sometimes these guys just want their ego stroked a little bit. Sometimes guys just want you to remind them that they're important. And that's a part of it as well. And you got to do that with Zach Martin. Whatever Jerry Jones needs to do, he needs to make sure this isn't an ongoing thing with Zach Martin. Chris Jones, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. You got to make something happen there. Saquon Barkley is arguably the third most important player among those three. Yeah. And I'm just saying, sometimes you have to stroke ego. You know, Myron. He wants to be, get as much as Ian Fitzsimmons. It's what stop. he wants. He thinks he deserves stop, it. Nah, stop. And that's that just what me. he has to do. Now, I mean, look, <laughs> and, and hopefully, hopefully he'll get I'm it. Happy. Because I'm happy. I'm sorry, day. Ian, but that's just the, what he feels. Now, what's I'm the content. best case scenario for the Houston Texans this season? You've probably been sitting at home going, I got to hear about the Houston Texans. It is time for two-a-days. We do one, two teams every day. We'll start with the Texans. That's next here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This little Texas, is that what this is? You're spot on. Well done. Why don't, why don't you why, – why, why, I why need don't you, to hear the end of that line. Was it that good? Yeah, no, why, well, why, don't, why, why don't you play something like, you know, UGK yeah. or Texas Little Texas hip-hop, is good. Right? Little Texas is good. It's we kinda, are talking about the Texans, guys. That's exactly right. It's little yeah, UGK is from Texas. Yeah, but this is Texas in the name, Little Texas. 
Big Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, right before we get to Texas, the uh, you know they're doing the uh, TBT or the tournament or whatever it's called, right? Mm -hmm. The thing where you get a million dollars and former players play, and usually I I think most years a balding guy from Marshall wins or most of the time. (laughs) But uh, it's going on right now. The Bayheim Army, which is former Syracuse players, it's on ESPN. Do you enjoy that, Myron? Do you like watching the old guys? Uh, limp out on the court and play for a million dollars? Yeah, I've, I've covered it. I mean, it's not old guys. Like, a, a lot of these guys, it used to be when it first started, was sort of like guys who maybe weren't playing anymore, you know, your old buddies from the old rec league. Now it's dudes who are still making a lot of money overseas, man, and, and coming over and they're in shape. And it's it's a high level, man. Jimmer Fredette played a couple years back, and he was really good. Uh, Jared Sullinger played. I mean, so they've but had some former right NBA guys. the last couple years there's been like – a balding guy from Wichita State and a balding yeah. guy from Marshall yeah. that play in the finals. Yeah. Am I not right about yeah. that? Yeah, but a lot of those dudes are still playing at a high level. What it reminds you of, Matt, is how hard it is to get into the NBA. Because those true. dudes were You're great right. college players and still hoping to get their chance. That's right. Well, I'll tell you who else is hoping to get a chance for the playoffs. That's a good transition. Is the Houston Texans, and we're going to deal with them on two-a-days. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Days. Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Houston Texans. Blue 58! Go! This is DJ Bienname covering the Houston Texans for NFL Nation. The biggest storyline for the Houston Texans centers around quarterback CJ Stroud. The Texans took him number two overall. So every throw, every drop back, every incompletion, every sack is going to be analyzed, scrutinized, and focused on, mainly because the Texans have been in a rebuild for about three years. They finally have the perceived quarterback of the future. So their rebuild can only succeed if their quarterback looks like he has the goods to be the franchise guy. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. That was Texans reporter DJ Bienemy. I agree with everything he said. CJ Stroud, like this, it's it's his team. He said the Texans were in rebuilding mode for three years. I'm going to say they've been in rebuilding mode since they've existed as a franchise. I don't feel like there's any team that I have less memories of than the Houston Texans. But now with C.J. Stroud, they hope to change that. It was announced today that he signed a $36 million rookie deal, and Myron, he somehow got every dollar up front. I don't know how he pulled this off, but he got a check today for $36 million, and he'll play for four years and will get no money the rest of the time, but $36 million now. Pretty impressive. That shows me good judgment and I think is a good start to his Texans career. Yeah, I think I would definitely get at least like 250 k in cash off that, and I do like what rappers do and like have it holding up to my ear as I'm on like IG or something like that. I feel like you have to do that if you get $36 million in a day. Like, so you would, you know want, to I mean? hold, you would want to hold the $250,000 like, just hold it up? Like I'm talking on the phone to it. Like that's how I would do it. Like, like I there's would, a meme like, like that, I, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I would do with it. Just know? one real quick thing on that. When I was a lawyer, one of my first things is I got a retainer for uh, me and another lawyer, and I ended up getting $2,000 cash. And it was the most money I'd ever had in my hand. And the dude yeah. paid me in 50s. 
and I literally like laid it on the bed, and I was like a child. I rolled around <laughs> in it. I was like, look yeah, at this. Yeah. It felt like I was the richest person in the world. I was calling Bill Gates up and going, Bill, eat it. I have $2,000. So I feel like that's what C.J. Stroud should do, too. Definitely get, get that briefcase, man. Just throw the money in the air. Like, I think you have to ride down the street and, like, throw $10,000 to a random neighborhood. I think, That's right. You know. Do you like C.J. Stroud, though, as a potential maybe rookie of the year this year for the Texans? He's got a lot of competition. I mean, at his position, uh, obviously some great wide receivers in this draft as well. I, you know, his new coach is a defensive guy. D'Amico Ryans is, did some um, miraculous things with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, incredible defense, best defense in the NFL in a lot of areas. Uh, maybe the best overall defense, I think a lot of people would say. And he's arguably going to the worst overall defense than the Texans. Like, Matt, the Texans gave up 2,894 rushing yards. That is the sixth most rushing yards allowed in NFL history. They weren't just bad. They during were one the time of the worst when people defense. don't run, during the time when people don't no. run the ball. You know, I mean, that's what's no. crazy. <laughs> Nobody runs except on them, you know. Yeah. So I think C.J. could be good. But that defense has to make so many strides for Houston to have any relevance. It is amazing, though. I mean, would you agree with me that in terms of NFL franchises, there is none that is less has been less interesting in the last 20 years than the Houston Texans? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think definitely, like, you look at what they've been. And remember, there's that moment where the franchise could have changed. They're up on that first Kansas City Super Bowl team, remember, in the playoffs, and they blow that big lead, and then everything kind of falls apart from there. Uh, but they're just a franchise that, to me, shows you how important it is to get it right at quarterback. Like, if yes. you mess up that position, you cannot build anything going forward. And that's why they're hoping this is the right guy. And if he's not, so is be on he the, the right guy? Day. I mean, if I, to make your prediction, is he the right guy? I mean, they he, they chose him. Bryce Young was gone, so they chose him over Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, do you think they have the guy for the future? You know, I don't want to get into the Ohio State quarterback thing, although I think that's a yes, real thing. Well, I mean, there's a history there. I mean, that's all you can say about it. But I think CJ, to me, is probably the most NFL-ready guy among okay. those quarterbacks. He's probably you know, the I only one of those three that will start from the beginning. Yes, Um but at the same time, if you have no defensive help and you're just kind of running for your life, I don't know how good you can be uh, no matter what you end up doing. So he's in a tough spot, man. Yeah, he is in a tough spot. And I actually, you know, I, I don't know DJ Bietemi, who is the reporter there, but I want to say to him, good luck, man. It's got to be tough to figure out interesting <laughs> things to say about the Texans every day. I mean, I don't know how long he's had that gig, but I think people out there – you should follow DJ B and me and just say, hey, man, keep your head up. It's going to be all right. Like, better <laughs> days are ahead. Because you got to live in Houston. It's 9,000 degrees there. And you got to find though. something to say about the Houston Texans. I just, I just kind of feel for the guy, you know? Hey, CJ might be the guy, though. We'll see. Well, I hope CJ's the guy, but I hope CJ for DJ is the guy because I want him to be very Good happy. job there. You're very welcome. Uh, we're going to give you the latest. Shohei Otani, the greatest player in baseball. Some would say one of the best ever. What's going to happen to him? We're going to give you the latest on the Angels' plan. It's Joe and Amber right here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This isn't as good as Little Texas, but it's all right. It's Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Matt Jones. They felt obligated to play this. <laughs> and Myron Metcalf filling in. We are now we better play some hip hop. <laughs> Myron's getting upset. We don't want that hip-hop. email. We don't want that email in the morning. Buster Olney <laughs> is ESPN's baseball insider. Buster, we have talked with you on a number of shows recently, and I have to tell you, I mean, you and Jeff Passon would be proud of me. I'm, I've become a big baseball fan this year. I mean, I just, it's causing my reds, but I've become a huge fan, and I'm even so much of a fan that I like look at rankings of farms of farm systems. And I'm looking oh at the latest ranki- ranking of farm system, and it has the Anaheim or L.A., whatever they call them, Angels, 28th in the league out of 30 teams. And I see Shohei Otani, and I say, okay, you guys aren't good this year. You have the 28th farm system. Don't you have to trade Otani with, when those two things are, the, are both the case, or am I wrong? Okay, the what you just described, looking at farm systems and rankings, that means that you're moving into nerd territory. <laughs> I am. I, I freely acknowledge that. I Way freely acknowledge that. I, I appreciate that. And baseball is front offices these days are filled with what the, the late great Kevin Towers referred to as propeller heads. Uh, and absolutely, across the board, uh, you hear from people uh, who work in front offices, you got to trade them. It's a no-brainer. What are you talking about? you got less than 10% chance of making the playoffs. You're four games out. Your pitching stinks. What are you thinking about? And of course you're going to trade him. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, I think Artie Moreno is looking at it maybe from 50,000 feet rather than 30,000 feet. And I talked to someone the other day, and Artie Moreno, of course, the owner of the Angels, who last summer absolutely crushed any conversation the Angels front office was having about trading Otani because his feeling was like, no, this guy's marketable. He's the you know, most interesting man in the world. He, he pitches, he hits, he does everything. We're not going to talk about trading him. Uh, and Artie's the one who's going to decide before the trade deadline whether they will actually sincerely begin the process of, of marketing him 
to trade him. And I talked to someone the other day who owned, who knows Artie well, and he said, here's the thing about Artie. He understands the power of Otani as a marketable player, and if he believes he has any chance of re-signing him in free agency, if that door is not slammed shut, then he's going to wait, and he's going to keep him. Because he knows if you trade a guy in midseason, all, in all likelihood, that's like delivering the guy out of the, out the door. And that's why so many people who know Artie are predicting to me privately, no, he's not going to trade him. We'll see. Uh, Artie is impetuous. He has a temper. We'll see if at some point he becomes frustrated and says, yeah, go ahead and do it. But a lot of people doubt that that's actually what's going to take place. Buster, all of the numbers and the reasons that you laid out why Adam Moreno wouldn't trade Shohei Otani, it makes sense. But this definitely feels like almost a pride thing. Like the only reason you don't trade Shohei is you don't want to be the guy who got rid of Shohei. What indications do they have that he might stick around long term? Yeah, the sibling word to pride is stubbornness. And the other day I was talking with an agent who has negotiated multiple contracts with Artie, and he said he is stubborn. And he has his beliefs. You know, he's the one who negotiated the Albert Pujols contract. He's the one who, you know, pursued Anthony Rendon in part because he believes in offense. Um, and look, I, you know, when you, when you, uh, you know, talk to front office people who are involved in those conversations when Otani first came to Major League Baseball, there are a lot of them believe that he would have gone to the Dodgers rather than the Angels if the National League had the DH at that time. Uh, but he didn't. And so he went to Anaheim where he could pursue this dream of being a you know, a DH and a pitcher, a two-way player. And so, you know, maybe now, this winter, uh, if, in fact, uh, you know, front office folks are right and he wants to play in Southern California, he wants to continue to be a two-way player, it might be the Dodgers are in play. Privately, that's what a lot of people think, that uh, that they would be the favorites. But I would tell you this about Otani and the Angels. You know, I've been suggesting to my editors at ESPN, we need to title an article uh, Autonomy, which is what he enjoys with the Angels. He's on his own thing. That's right, like, he yeah. kind of runs the ship. When it comes to, you know, you guys see at ball fields, they have, uh, you know, a rope line, and they all have sponsors behind there, and, you know, the – the the nephew of the you know a friend of the owner that sort of thing and the star players are expected to do that stuff from what i understand Otani does none of it he just plays baseball he shows up he does his workout uh you know talks to media like once a week and he's not really part of uh, what they ask him to do with the angels maybe that's all attractive to him and maybe he likes a known quantity with the angels we're not going to know for sure until he reaches free agency all right, so three teams with huge expectations going into trade deadline that have been disappointing. One, it's probably the Yankees, although they they you know they're they're only two games out of the wild card. But the two most biggest are the Mets and the Padres. And yeah, and the, the 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 Padres are five and a half back on the wild card. The Mets are seven back. But there are teams ahead of them, like the Reds and the Diamondbacks, that you could make the case maybe they won't withstand the stretch run. Are the Mets and the Padres, in your mind, buyers or sellers or stay puts down the stretch? Well, I got to tell you, and we had the the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball last night in Fenway Park, and just being around that team, it had the feel of uh, you know the party's over. Um, You know, they had a a tough series against the Red Sox. Max Scherzer gave up four homers. He leads the National League in giving up home runs this year. It absolutely had that feel where that that you know when we met with Buck Showalter, the manager. 
uh, before yesterday's game is lying to us was everyone, you know, our situation is obvious. You know, they got less than a 10% chance of making the postseason. And I suspect today in earnest that they probably are taking phone calls from other teams about guys like Mark Hanna, who I think is going to wind up with the Mariners. Uh, Tommy Pham, who's coveted by other teams because he's having a really good season. Uh, David Robertson is going to be the, one of the most sought-after relievers. A lot of people are going to speculate on Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Yeah, you can call the Mets about those guys, but I ain't trading them because they both have full no-trade clauses, and, and they're going to make $14 million apiece just for August and September. I, I, don't, uh, I don't think they'll wind up trading those guys. The Padres are full steam ahead. They're going to try to win – uh, you know, they're like the poker player who says, I've got so much money committed to the middle of the table. I'm going to put in my watch. I'm going to put in my mortgage. I'm going to do, uh, you know, everything I can to try to win my hand. It might be, a, in the end, a losing play, but that seems to be their perspective. Buster, I've been trying to get Shohei Otani to Milwaukee, where I'm from. We, we, we probably don't have $600 million. We might have half of that. We got a beautiful <laughs> lakefront. We got good uh, hamburgers and stuff, you know. So I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> Bratwurst. Uh, yeah, you know, we got fun stuff. But but I do wonder, like, what's what's the real market? Like, who are the real teams that if Shohei says, you know what, I'm leaving, that have a real chance to sign him this offseason? And it's a great way to frame it because, you know what, the Baltimore Orioles are having this amazing season. Uh, you know, they're winning the American League East, and yet what you hear from other teams is the Orioles are going to be measured buyers. Like, they'll work from surplus and position players, and they'll try to trade for some pitching around the edges, but they're not going to go crazy to get, you know, the best available pitcher, probably Marcus Stroman. On the other hand, in, in, in the Otani chase, uh, we know that the Yankees would be highly motivated if he's actually put out there because they've got all these core players who are right in the middle of their careers. This is their window to win. Uh, and so I think if they got word that Otani was actually available, that Artie would be willing to trade him, I think that they would be aggressive. Uh, I, I talked to someone who knows Artie really well the other day, and, and this person told me, no chance he trades them to the Dodgers ever, and you can understand yeah. that's the Big Brother franchise for the Angels. Uh, uh, and the Rangers and the Astros are division rivals. The team that's cited often by executives, the Tampa Bay Rays, because uh, you know, they are a team that is having has had this terrific season. They've they've uh, slumped the last month. They've had some pitching injuries, and their front office is really imaginative. Uh, you, you know, if you look at the minor league rankings to go back to that, they've got a deep farm system. They would have what it takes to get it done. But again, it's all a big if. It all depends on what Artie Moreno decides. Yeah. So let me, I will finish with this because I think, you know, again, I'm going to use my propeller head uh, prospect rankings, right? <laughs> so I look at th three. What's amazing is the top four. Minor league systems are one Baltimore, two the Dodgers, three the Reds, yeah. four Tampa Bay. Four teams that are very, very good, right? So in theory, the four teams that have the most to give are also very good. If it was you, Buster, and you were Baltimore, Tampa Bay, or the Reds, great farm system, young team, great future, but in the mix this year, would you do it for Shohei to give some of that depth up to go for it? If I were the Tampa Bay Rays, I would do it. Uh, they're a lot like in the same situation the Oakland Athletics were when they traded for John Lester. Shocked the baseball world because Billy Bean believed, you know what, we've been to the playoffs. You know, we're, we're consistently good, 
But the goal is to win a championship, and we need to take the next step. So if I'm the Rays, I am doing it. If I am the Reds, I'm not doing it because they. it feels like they're more than one pitcher away, yeah. one player away, and I'm not tearing up my farm system to get a two-month rental. Um, you know, the Dodgers, as I mentioned, I think they're off the table anyway. Uh, and in the Orioles' case, look – uh, their their ownership has not has not demonstrated that they're willing to actually invest any money in this team. The the front office has done a great job picking players. The players and the staff have done an amazing job in the way that they performed the last two years. Guys, think about this statistic for the Baltimore Orioles ownership. You know, year zero. They don't have a single player on a multi-year deal. It's wow. a very different situation than, say, the Atlanta Braves or even the Reds. You know, have some young guys that they, uh, you know, Hunter Green, who's under a multi-year deal. It's a very we we are still waiting to see if the Orioles' ownership is going to be as invested as their players are. Yeah, great stuff. Buster only always bringing it and uh, has called me a baseball nerd, and I actually uh, appreciate it. <laughs> I it is amazing, and I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at this, Buster. I, baseball's done an amazing job, in my opinion. I could not have cared less about baseball than I did five years ago, but the pitch clock and these young guys and Otani, it just feels like there's a resurgence a little bit, doesn't there? There's no doubt about it. I, I, you know, you do get people who, who complain about the pitch clock, especially older pitchers, but they have to get over themselves because this is part of the game. And, and it's clearly the response with attendance and t- television ratings. It's all really good. Myron, you and I need to uh, co-order uh, one of those yeah. propeller hats, okay? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> will. And, uh, and guess what, Buster? I'm going to love seeing you in Milwaukee when Shohei's there uh, eating a cop's burger oh, on the lakefront. No. It's going to be a fun place um, for him, I man. Would I, really... this. I would say this. Do not hold your breath. <laughs> I'm you holding. Go. I'm holding, Buster. <laughs> All right, Buster, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. There you go. I actually, I, I like Buster a lot. I mean, I'm not yeah, you, the only. I'm saying that like yeah. he's some unknown guy. Yeah. Like everybody knows Buster, but I really yeah. like him. You know, he's yeah. good. I don't like that you laughed at my show. Hey, the Milwaukee thing, though. That wasn't really. Listen, I, that wasn't necessary, very, though. Very few people go to Milwaukee unless under punishment of law. And okay, so I, I okay. Let's go into the next segment. I'm, I'm just kidding. Let's, I actually, let's I actually to think Milwaukee. Well, I think Milwaukee's a really nice city. I'm just, you know, Myron's from there, so you gotta give him a hard time. Now, would you have rather had? Paul Pierce or Dwayne Wade in their prime? To me, the answer to that question is obvious. But the person that I wouldn't pick is running his mouth. Who's right, Pierce or Wade? That's next on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. I'll notice that Myron Metcalf complained at the one segment they played country music, and now we're not going to hear <laughs> any more of it the rest of the show. This is, this is too much, Amber though. On ESPN Radio. It was not too much. Uh, 
No, no, this is too. You ain't got to force the hip hop. I mean, like you can mix it up. I don't need you to make this 2005 New York City hip hop club. Like, you know, it's Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio. Uh, I find just this is my own thing. I'm Matt Jones. He's Meyer Metcalf. I, I find Paul Pierce to be exhausting. I've always found him to be exhausting. I especially found him like when he was like, oh, no, I'm hurt and take me out on a you know, stretcher. And then he comes back in and plays. And I was like, all right, drama. That's enough. But today or yesterday he did a podcast. It's called the It Is What It Is podcast, which is a good name. Yeah. And he, name. Creative. he said this in comparing his career to Dwayne Wade. Put Shaq on my team. Put LeBron and Bosh with me. I'm not going to win one? You don't think? Yeah. We're not going to win a couple? Like, who's the better three-point shooter? Is he a better scorer? Okay, he averaged more points than me career. I can shoot the three, post up, I can get to the line. Who a better scorer? Yeah, for a long we, time, we for a long time right my question. skills went unappreciated because I didn't get to play with a lot of great players. Yeah. And then I got to play with KG and Ray past their prime. Four years earlier, you put me, Ray, and KG together. You think we ain't walking away with three chips? Exhausting. I also like here, he's like, I don't get to play with great players. And then he goes, I mean, I did play with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. You know, maybe the greatest shooter (laughs) and, like, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. But, first of all, I'm taking Dwayne Wade every day, twice on Sunday against Paul Pierce. Are you? Yeah, I don't even know what the conversation is. Like, I mean, the weird thing about – Paul Pierce is he's decided to sort of spend these years after basketball just being annoying and and not making a lot of sense. There's no world where he's on the same page as Dwayne Wade. And here's the thing about Dwayne Wade. We can get to the numbers. Paul Pierce has never been all NBA first team. Uh, Dwayne Wade was all NBA first team twice, eight times, either all NBA first, second or third team. Paul Pierce only four times, second and third team, never first. Like all the numbers favor Dwayne Wade. People forget about 2006 Dwayne Wade when he carried the Miami Heat to a championship and one of the greatest playoff performances we've ever seen before LeBron James won his first NBA title. So, like, Dwayne Wade has done it on its own. On his own, he's done it with other talent like LeBron James and Chris Bosh. But there's they're not even at the same table, and it's ridiculous that. And there's a whole generation of this, Matt. These ex-NBA dudes who get on podcasts and say ridiculous thing that only they believe. And they talk about how they're better than everybody. Gilbert Arenas has one. Paul Pierce. Dude, nobody saw you guys in that light except you. You're the only ones who think you were at that level and you were not. And Dwayne Wade and Paul Pierce should never be compared in any conversations ever again. Look, it's nice. I mean, look, Paul Pierce was a great player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but why can't you just settle at being a great player? Like, why do you have to sit here and tell me that you were Dwayne Wade? Just you were good. You know what? You were a good player. You have a chip. And by the way, when, the whole, like, we don't say title anymore. It's just all chip. We have yeah. a chip. And, like, yeah. but so do they. So, I mean, when he yep. says, could I have won, wouldn't I have won with Shaq? Wouldn't I have won with LeBron and Bosch? Okay. But you know what? Dwayne Wade would have won with Garnett and Ray Allen too. So what do you want from me? Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what that's supposed to do. I actually don't think he would have won it with Shaq because I think Dwayne Wade was at his absolute peak performance at that time. Yeah. In a way that, in a way that, Pierce, the, they both were great players. But the elite of Wade was better than the elite of Pierce, and I don't understand. Why? He is the – he's not Aaron Rodgers level annoying, but he's up there because 
these old dudes that are like, you just got to remember how good I am. Like, hush. People who are yeah. good, it, rich people, like truly rich people don't need to tell you how rich they are. And truly good yeah. players don't need to tell me how good they are, but Paul Pierce always does. And it's weird. Like, it's so, it's so unnecessary to your point. Like, you could just be happy, reminiscing. Kevin Garnett does this. Great podcast. Reminiscing about the great times, telling great stories. You could do that. The idea that you're on Wade's level is crazy. Paul Pierce was never all defense. D-Wade was all, uh, all defense three times. Both top 75 all time. But D-Wade, I think, is the third best shooting guard of all time behind, behind Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Paul Pierce is not that at his position. So I just don't understand why these guys can't just go into retirement and enjoy the spoils of being a great retired player where people will just let you talk about the good old days. You can make a whole career out of that. And instead, Paul Pierce has decided he's got to compare himself to Dwayne Wade. And, and everybody knows thing. that's a joke. No one wants to talk about you, Paul Pierce. Like, no one. I have never been in a group and everybody's like, you know what never. I'd like to talk about today? Paul yeah. Pierce. Like, but that's Paul what Pierce. he hates. That's what bothers him, though. Hey, well, that's fine. But, like, I'll talk about Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's interesting. But there has never been a moment in my life. It's like going, you know what I'd like to talk about with baseball fans? Brady Anderson. It's like nobody thinks about that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's kind of how I feel about Paul Pierce. Like, I'm never going to have – I don't have strong Paul Pierce thoughts, except when he walked – like, got carried out on that stretcher or wheelchair and then came back in, that was the fakest thing I've ever seen. It was like that Kevin Nash meme where he had the fake <laughs> cast on that's on – uh, Twitter now called X. Yeah. Just be that's happy right. and retired, man. That's right. Just just enjoy retirement. There's a mess in college sports and it got worse. We will deal with that. That's next here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.